I think that it is very, very important to continue encouraging our governments and ourselves that the environment is not really an issue for tomorrow. The environment is every day issue. It's the air we breathe, it's the water we drink, it's the food we eat, and we can't live without these things. Welcome back to Eco Movements Podcast, and I hope you are ready to learn, unlearn, and practice sustainability. If you don't know, Eco Movement is an ideology and a platform that cultivates climate justice through education, advocacy, sustainability, and interdependence in marginalized communities of color throughout the world. And I know that it has been some time since I have uploaded a podcast, but I am back and I am hoping to revamp Eco Movement's platform by creating some online resources and some additional things that I have up my sleeve. Before we get into the podcast, I want to have a slight disclaimer. Uh, Most of my podcasts are known to be scripted. And I will not be doing a scripted podcast this time, so please be patient with me. We're in the midst of a pandemic, hence that's what I'm going to be talking about. And I do not have all the facts as no one does. And I just want to have an open dialogue about COVID-19 from an eco-lens perspective. Um, If you don't know what an eco-lens is, I would highly recommend you review some of my old podcasts where I define what an eco-lens is and why it is essential for us to see things from an environmentalist perspective. So around early November, China released a statement talking about COVID-19 and stating what they were doing to keep the virus within the country. There were some travel advisories, but still there wasn't much preventative measures put in place to stop it from spreading from other countries. And if you jump forward to late January, early February, you start seeing incidents of cases across the globe, particularly Italy, Spain, and a couple of other European countries. If you jump forward to March the 29th, 2020, the U.S. has approximately 86,000 confirmed cases, and every day that number is going up. That number is going up, one, because those 86,000 people who have been confirmed cases of COVID-19 have had interactions with people who have not been tested yet or people who are asymptomatic and show no symptoms. In a previous podcast, I talked about how climate change increases the spread of diseases, particularly vector-borne diseases. But I think what we're able to see with COVID is that climate change in general can increase the incidence of cases, and particularly because climate change can cause respiratory issues such as asthma. And COVID impacts the lungs directly. So what we're going to start seeing in the next couple of weeks is that places that have been heavily impacted by climate change um, and have poor air quality are going to see higher fatality rates for COVID-19. The CDC has a COVID-19 page where they're uploading new statistics daily and hourly, and one of the great tools that they have is a map um, of the state reporting cases. And so far, the state of Washington, California, Colorado, Texas, Louisiana, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Georgia, in Pennsylvania have some of the highest incidents of the virus 
And as an environmentalist, I'm able to look at it and see the geography and the landscape of these states. And I know some of the social and economic issues that are occurring in some of the cities within those states. A great example would be New Orleans. Now, we all know New Orleans, Louisiana was impacted by Hurricane Katrina in 2005. And still 15 years later, the city is trying to recover in dealing with another environmental issue such as rising sea level and poor air quality due to Cancer Alley and petrochemical companies. And as I said before, environmental issues that are already existing within these communities or states are only going to increase the fatality of COVID-19 within these communities. Now, I saw a video on Twitter of the mayor talking about COVID-19 and what they were doing to prepare for the massive amount of cases that they were going to get. And a lot of people were commenting saying that she should have canceled Mardi Gras. But I've lived in New Orleans and I've experienced Mardi Gras, I believe, three times. And I need everyone to understand that Mardi Gras is a major revenue for the state of Louisiana. And canceling that ultimately would change and shift the amount of money or the businesses that are relying on that influx of people to come. Now, while I was in New Orleans, I was very interested in understanding the environmental injustices that were occurring. And some of the major themes are air quality and housing. And housing and air quality are two essential public health contributors to COVID. If people are living in tight living quarters, then that increases their chances of coming into contact with someone who is a carrier for the virus. Additionally, as I said before, poor air quality already puts a lot of stress on your lungs. And if you do contract the virus, then your chances of fatality are increased because people who are able to recover from the virus not only have good immune systems, but they also have really great lung function. It should also be noted that a lot of what's happening in the state of Louisiana, particularly in New Orleans, is being repeated from what occurred during Hurricane Katrina in 2005. The hospitals having low resources, um, not having enough incubators. When we talk about the social impacts of COVID-19, we also have to understand that a lot of the people in New Orleans are on some type of government aid, not because people choose to, but because there aren't a lot of economic opportunities in the city. And although the city has been rebuilt for tourism, people who have been there for years and their bloodlines and lineages are from New Orleans and the surrounding parishes have not had the same opportunity as newcomers and people who have moved there to buy homes and start businesses. So what we're now seeing from or what I see from an eco lens is that we're laying biological problems on top of social problems. And some of those social problems I've mentioned are poor air quality. You have a lack of food security, so people are on quarantine, but they don't have access to food. You have two cities that have low employment rates, so you have people who are already unemployed or people who recently got laid off and they don't have the money to stay inside of their house, meaning they want to go out 
and make money, we might even see an increase of crime. Um, Eco-movement is all about solutions, so I don't want to spend the entire podcast talking about, you know, the wrongs. I want to start thinking about what can we do in the future. And I think it's very important to note that even when this virus is over in the next couple of weeks to months, things are not going to be the same. Traveling restrictions aren't just going to be lifted. How we function as a society is going to change Because people are stuck at their homes or people are stuck at their jobs, working several hours, being exposed to the virus. And we have to rebuild, essentially, which I think is a good thing. A part of rebuilding is looking at where are the problems in society? Where are the inequalities? And what can we do to elevate those? And I think it's important for us to start thinking about rebuilding our healthcare system so that it's able to handle pandemics um, and epidemics quickly and easily because as our population of humans grow, we have almost 9 billion people on this planet, there is going to be an increase of infectious diseases. That is a major side effect of climate change. We also have to understand that a lot of people are opting out to not get vaccinated, which I have no, you know, con or pro to it. You choose to do what you want, but we're going to start to see the reappearance of infectious diseases that we have eradicated. And this is not going to be the first or the last one that we see within the next couple of decades. And so I think the first step is rebuilding our healthcare systems so that they're better able to manage epidemics, maybe having centers dedicated to pandemics such as COVID-19. Additionally, having hand washing stations in public transportation places, um, places like New York, DC, um, Denver, LA that have mass transportation systems, there is a need for sanitation and hygiene. And it's a shame that some metro stations are just now cleaning, you know, the stations and equipment daily and hourly that should have been always been done. I think another great way that we can kind of start to rebuild our society is with a more holistic approach and making cities safer by adding parks and making, you know, more biking lanes and not only, you know, for the gentrifiers that come to, you know, the ghetto to get cheap houses, but for the people who live there because outdoor space is critical and important people being outside they'll get more vitamin d it will help relieve anxiety and depression it's overall beneficial mentally physically spiritually and it has public health benefits i think another great ad as i stated a little bit early is to not is to focus on community, to start understanding and knowing the people who live on your street. You know, are there teachers? Are there doctors? Are there nurses? We know that in some of these cities, the education system is extremely poor, but what a benefit it would be to know that you have a teacher who lives on your street and that she possibly might be able to help make sure the children are getting some type of schooling and education than relying on a public school system to deliver your children online lessons which right now are a mess because they're trying to figure it out at once but I think we need to just switch from 
a federal focus to a community-based focus because, I, as I said before, the Constitution was written to protect white men who own land, and it's always going to do that. And we can add however amendments we want to, but as long as the U.S. Constitution stands still and protects white men who own land, it is not going to protect people who aren't white and who don't own land. I think the best thing that we can do is to stay at home. And stay at home doesn't mean go visit your parents' house. It doesn't mean talk to people, you know, that you're friends with. It means stay in the house that you're living in. Keep yourself in quarantine. I know it's very difficult and we have to get creative with how we entertain ourselves. Maybe take short walks. Maybe go clean your car to get some fresh air. But staying at home is the safest place to be. I know this podcast wasn't scripted, um, but I really just wanted to have an open dialogue and share my thoughts. I hope you learned something beneficial, and I hope that you all stay safe during this time. I'll speak to you guys soon again in the future, and that's all I have for you. Ashe.